0: Welcome back everyone to On Campus with Ms. T. I'm your host, Miss T.
1: And I'm your co-host, David.
0: And today we're here with Josh Rohal. Hello. <laughs> and we're going to be talking to him about his experience in education and his viewpoints on art and all that stuff. So do you want to start off just by telling us your um, background and your experience in education?
2: Sure. Um, yeah, I've been <clears throat> teaching now for uh, on my 18th year.
0: Oh, wow. That's yeah. yeah I mean, I know <laughs> I'm like on my is.
2: fourth. <laughs> yeah. It's gone by really fast, which is, I guess, a good thing. Um, to me, it means I'm having fun. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I've been at the same school the whole time, um, right here in Sylmar.
0: Um, oh, wow. All 18 years? Yeah.
2: yeah. Dang. Yeah. Crazy. And... Um, I mean, I'm, that's
0: a good sign too, right? That they've never wanted to get rid of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Let's that's transfer this guy over to the other school.
2: <laughs> and and um, I teach ceramics right now and drawing. And yeah, and I have the mm. ceramics room, so I can't get moved around the school either. A lot of teachers get oh, moved yeah. around, you know, Different over the summer. So I've been in the also the same room for uh, probably around fifteen years, I think. So yeah. I'm teaching mm-hmm. drawing and and um Ceramics right now. In the past, I've taught painting, as well as art history.
0: Oh, cool! Yeah, Do
2: nice. you guys have um, a kiln? Oh uh, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, unfortunately, the the kilns that came with the school—they're um, gas kilns—they're not working. Um, and I've been struggling trying to get them fixed, but it's like a lot of red tape, and it's been a mess trying to get them fixed. Yeah. So instead, we're using um, electric kilns. Oh <clears throat> yeah, and they're they're good, they're reliable, but the, they're a little bit more limited of some of the things you can do in ceramics. If okay, you prefer the gas ones, it would be nice to have that option. And I'm yeah.
0: guessing that the original ones that came with the school would probably be way bigger. Yeah, right? they're big. They look like
2: <laughs> giant, you know, furnaces. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. I took
0: I took ceramics in high school, and I remember it was like a giant thing. And <laughs> one time I. We were making, I don't even know what it was. I think it was like some kind of like cube thing and somebody didn't poke a hole into whatever they made and so it exploded in the kiln and then like he came and like returned all of our like projects to us and they were all like blown
2: apart. We were like, what the heck, what happened? (laughs) Yeah, that happens. Yeah, my students, I teach them to properly wedge the clay and... There are students who will shortcut it, and then if you get air bubbles trapped in the clay, then yeah, their projects yeah. do explode. And it's crazy. Sometimes it'll break other people's pieces, so it's pretty Yeah, yeah.
0: like all of the, the projects that were like next to that one that exploded were all like exploded because yeah. I don't know it was too close to it again. Yeah,
2: we'll be running the kilns during the day, um, and you'll hear things popping sometimes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's crazy. I'm assuming that students don't ever put the project in or like run the kilns, right?
2: No, I do all that. Okay. Um, I have a couple trusted students that might help me, you know, load or unload the kilns, but I always am there to make sure everything's getting done right. Yeah. Um, a lot of ceramics are super fragile when they're <clears throat> in their bone dry state when you're loading them in. So oh, yeah. I really, um, you know, I, I'd rather take the responsibility of something breaking and yeah. have a kid, you know, feel bad about breaking something.
0: Start <laughs> rivalries in the classroom yeah. I broke my project. <laughs> I know. Uh, have you always been interested in art or was it something that you got into once you started teaching?
2: No, I've always been into art and I think I started with colouring books and just liking superheroes. <laughs> and um, yeah, my mom would just give me paper and crayons to shut me up. I think, but, uh, and they always told me like I was really good at drawing, so I think that kept me going, even yeah. though I think they were just saying that, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> and so yeah, I was always into art, and um, believe it or not, I almost became a parole officer. When I was going what? to college to become a parole officer, but I was taking ceramics for fun. On the side, and um, eventually I decided to switch to an art major. Oh, wow. That's
0: crazy. That's
2: a really different
0: Yeah, a very yeah. different career path. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had to go visit a um, youth prison in mm-hmm. Camarillo, and it was really scary in there. And, <laughs> yeah. And to be a parole officer, you have to volunteer in there for a whole year. Um, and these are like um, felons, you know, killers, yeah. and... They automatically don't like you when you're yeah. there. Yeah. <clears throat> and the day after that visit, That's I changed too far my major. Being a
0: teacher, yeah. sometimes. <laughs> <Same> so. <laughs> That's true. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So um, the day after I visited that prison, I pretty much tr- uh, switched my major. <laughs> <laughs> but I was clueless back then too. I didn't actually realize you could major in art in college. I kind of was mm-hmm. just going to community college like my sister did and, you know, hoping for the best. But yeah, yeah, then I switched um, to art and and I think that's what got me through college. You know, it was more fun for me than doing work.
0: Yeah. I feel like a lot of the times people don't really think about art or like elective type of things as something you can get a degree in, right? Like they, it, seems like that's something that's more like for fun or something that's like not going to be lucrative or isn't going to lead to a career or something. So people kind of dismiss it. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I think that is uh, something I worried about as I was like approaching my graduation is now what am I going to do with Mm -hmm. uh, my art degree? Um, But in the back of my head, I did always also want to be a teacher. So Mm -hmm. I always knew I would probably end up going that route.
0: That's cool. Was it hard for you to kind of find uh, a job once you graduated? Like, even though it was for teaching, was it still hard? Because I know now it's kind of like a lot of the times when they have to make cuts to the budget, it usually goes to extracurricular type of stuff like art or sports or music, right? Right, that's true. And
2: yeah, uh, there's been times in my career where I was... Uh, frightened that I was going to get cut because there were cuts coming, things like that. Uh, When I got into it, uh, around that time, I think it was a good time where um, there was budget for arts at that time and people were hiring art teachers. And um, at Selmar High School, that was my first interview and I got hired. So it happened really quick and I kind of got lucky, I think. I got right in. Did you
1: ever
0: have him as a teacher?
2: No,
1: I had I had art. I was I forgot. I don't remember who it was, but yeah.
2: I think you told me you had Mr. Bolita. I
1: had Bolita for um yearbook and Photoshop. Yeah, yeah, digital art. Yeah, there you go, digital art. But I had I did take an art class, but it was like one teacher. But then she was like pregnant, so we got a new teacher halfway through the semester. Art member, I think it was all just like subs. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what kind of art was it, though? like painting, paintings? Or like...
1: I remember using charcoal, <laughs> so Charming, I don't know what that maybe? yeah, the oh, problem. Yeah, yeah. Hmm.
0: so if you were going to somewhere now, you would have roll. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was there when I was there,
1: yeah, just, but
0: maybe he was teaching
2: something else, yeah, yeah, different. Well, um, back then, I think we had up to maybe six art teachers. Oh, wow. And oh, wow. the school was pretty overcrowded until they opened the CCLA, the um, oh, Cesar Chavez, Chavez cool. School. Mm-hmm. And that was built to alleviate overcrowding. Gotcha. And to the point where now we only have two art teachers. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I moved up the ladder. I was at the bottom and people left and there's turnover. And mm-hmm. so now I'm like the highest seniority um, art teacher at the school.
0: Nice. Right. Cool. Job security. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm
2: um, department chair now of electives. Oh, cool.
0: What does that like entail, exactly? Uh,
2: it's a lot of more work with not any more pay.
0: Oh, <laughs> of course. That's of always course. what happens in yeah.
2: teaching. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have to go to monthly meetings with the administration group, and we go through what we're going to do for professional development. And um, yeah, so twice a month our elective group will meet, and then I'll pass on whatever the principal wants us to be focusing on in our meetings. And um, other than that, I handle like our budget, and other teachers want to order supplies. They have to kind of come through me and get okayed for everything. Okay. So it's not too much extra work, but... Um, so yeah, it's still actually <laughs> yeah, yeah, still.
0: And then I know recently the school that you work for switched over to being a charter, mm-hmm. right? So I did want to ask you if you saw any differences between like how things were for you as a teacher before it became a charter and then how it is now after the charter.
2: Right. Um About five years mm-hmm. ago, I think um, our school applied to become an affiliated charter. So that means we're still a Los Angeles Unified School, Mm -hmm. Um, but the charter status, it gives us more autonomy, I think, from the school district. So for, um, you know, like core classes, they get to decide when they wanna do their periodic testing and they get more choices. Uh, The district doesn't get to really determine when they do everything. I know that we get more autonomy with our budget as well. Um, the principal and teachers get to work together to decide how our budget is, is spent. And I think one of the main reasons we we um, turned to be a charter was to open up our enrollment um, that now, well, before with school of, um, zone of choice, mm-hmm. um, you had to be from the neighborhood to go to our school. And then it opened up to more like the general area that was zone of choice so if you live in san fernando you could choose to go to silmar or ccla whatever whatever your family wanted but the charter status actually opened us up to statewide where we could bring in students from anywhere in the state that's cool and i think that was one of the main motivations because we started really having declining enrollment Mm -hmm. And then almost every year there we were losing teachers, you know, one or two teachers had to be displaced because we just didn't have the student population anymore. Yeah. But other than that, I feel like it's mostly the same, um, the way it's operated is pretty much the same as it was.
0: How does it work when you all decide, like, how to spend the budget or things surrounding the budget, I guess?
2: Um... I don't usually make myself part of those meetings, but you can go to be on a committee, to be so any
0: teacher, can. Any
2: teacher, and they're all welcome to it and encouraged to go. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you know, um, if you're a teacher and you want something that's expensive, maybe you want a new smart board projector, you can go and uh, kind of lobby for yourself. And then the other teachers on the panel will discuss if that's a good idea and then they'll take a vote on it and and, um, you know you might get that those items.
0: Do you by any chance know because I know this was something that came up in one of our other episodes but would you know if like um, when you get donations to your specific school or when you do fundraisers for your school do you guys get to keep that money and use it towards your budget, or is it something where it still has to go through LAUSD?
2: I'm not too sure about how all that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, as far as donations, I know one thing that our, my school did a couple of years ago was opened up the school and allowed it, a movie to be filmed there. Oh. And they filmed this movie that was, I never saw it, it was about um, Dick Cheney when he was a youth. And they filmed, like, some football scenes on our our, um, football field. And our school um, got revenue from the movie. And I'm not sure how that money was used, but, you know, the principal can do things like that to bring in extra funds. That's cool. Um, Yeah, but I'm not sure how how all the inner workings of that, you know, operate. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, because the high school that I went to was a charter school as well. And I, I'm guessing it was a charter affiliate or whatever you mm-hmm. said, because it was still part of LAUSD. Um, but I know that our football field was, like, really, really nice because it was donated by John Elway, because I guess he was a student there or something at some point. And I'm, like, kind of thinking back and I'm realizing, like, other schools probably wouldn't be able to accept that <laughs> if they're oh, not yeah. a charter yeah, school. Um... So, like kind of one of the benefits I guess of, of having a charter school.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I'm not yeah, I'm not sure of how it works, like I said, but mm-hmm. I know they'll take advantage of opportunities like that if they arise, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then I also wanted to ask you if you thought or what you thought, I guess, of um art would be like a benefit or like what that kind of brings to the table for um, students at any age. But specifically with you, you work for high school students. So um, what that brings to the table for them, what kind of experience that creates for them, how it shapes them, things like that.
2: Yeah, well, for me, uh, not just because I'm an art teacher, but I feel like it's, <laughs> it is an important um, subject to have. Um, from the ceramics point of view, I tell my students, you know, every thing that we use, you know, um, for example, a microphone, somebody designed it to be used. With um, um, Maybe How with ceramics, them? but just that everything that we use has a form and a function to it, yeah. and um, everything needs a, needs a designer. And for us, I tell them, you know, that's as simple as when you're making a cup Mm-hmm. make the handle comfortable to hold make it so it doesn't dribble when you drink out of it you know it has to function but it's also an artwork so it should um, be something good you know comfortable to use and it should look nice too um, but I, in ceramics I use it as that's the route of a designer of everything look around you there's art everywhere around you mm-hmm. um, the other thing is just using a different part of your brain. Um, and for so long, focus um, focuses on you know math scores, English scores, testing, yeah. test them, you know, keep testing, keep studying. <clears throat> and um, I'm really into this book. Um, it's called Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain Ooh. by Betty Edwards. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you you might have heard that artists use more the right side of their brain than the left side. And that's what her book focuses on. And it's really interesting is that math, um, numbers, that's all using the left side of your brain, like Mm -hmm. problem solving and thinking things through step by step. Also language is um, the left side of your brain. And so to do art is like turning all that off Mm -hmm. and going into this different realm in your brain where you really don't need language, you know, Mm -hmm. to create a drawing. You need to use your eyes and you just, you're looking and you're not really discussing it with yourself or with anyone, you know, while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to experience that Mm -hmm. and arts and maybe like sports do that too, where you don't necessarily to run to catch the ball and you're yeah. thinking like how many yards do i have to run to catch a ball no you're just sort of reacting to the situation mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so in ceramics too i tell my students you know, you don't need language to see if a vase looks even you're turning it and looking at it and your brain is shut off from language while you're doing that mm-hmm. So I think that's beneficial for students and their developing brain is to, you know, use both sides of it and not just be drilled into math and English over and over. A lot of my students, and I get a lot of our magnet students, and they're really high performing students. And they tell me that for them, ceramics is their stress relieving class. Mm -hmm. So they come in and, and, you know, they recognize the difference that it's more relaxing to work with your hands yeah. and to, to create something.
0: And it's almost like that meditative state that you kind of go in once you start working and you're really focused on whatever it is that you're doing.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and so it's, it is a different experience than most of their other classes. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because we're supposed to have on our chalkboard our language objective for the day. But a lot of times if you came in my classroom, it would say, right brain today, no language. (laughs) And I'll say that too in my class, kind of. I let them, they'll chat while they're working. Mm -hmm. But if it starts getting too loud, you know, I'll be like, right brain, (laughs) you know, we don't need language for this today.
0: Yeah, I remember when we uh, when I took um, I took ceramics also in high school, and I remember they always had to do some kind of language component or some kind of writing component. So every once in a while, we'd get like an essay or something. you would be like, why am I writing this in this class? Yeah. <laughs> but I know even the teacher was like, I know, I know, I like I have to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh.
2: Yeah, and going back to um, how I was talking about. Um being the department chair and working with the principal mm-hmm. and one of the things that we have been focusing on is increasing literacy and all across all the electives mm-hmm. to support our English English language arts because um honestly our school is kind of lower performing and we have a lot of English learners that need extra help and so anything you can do like that is going to be beneficial yeah. and Um, We always have to do, yeah, you know, we'll do articles and discussions and, you know, um, easy reading comprehension questions. Mm -hmm. But there is also a lot of vocabulary involved in ceramics. Yeah, Yeah, I
0: was going to say in anything that you do, you could turn it into like a lesson for an English language learner because Mm -hmm. they're picking up all of the vocabulary, just like labeling something like this is the... I don't know what tools you
2: use. Yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. No, look, for example, we use um, a pin tool or a needle tool. Mm-hmm. And a lot of students will say, um, can you pass me the pokey thingy? Yeah. <laughs> or the shank? The no, shank. No, it's not a shank. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, its a tool. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, because I know, um, and that's kind of one thing I was going to bring up too, is that I have a lot of students that don't have any English either, and usually art stuff is kind of where they know what to do, because they don't need that language, right? And then the art is usually where I start building their vocabulary, that's like... Kind of the point where I start with them. Mm-hmm. Because if you start with reading a book, like, they don't understand what's going on. Like, right. they, they don't know what you're reading about. They don't know. They might not even know what a book is, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but they know what a crayon is because usually they have access to crayons at home. Or they, even if they don't have access to crayons, you put a crayon in a paper in front of them, they usually figure out what to do right. <laughs> pretty quickly. Yeah. So that's usually where I start off with students that don't have any English languages like art. Because it's easy for them to become engaged in it and they get, like you said, into that zone. They start feeling comfortable pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And then you can just start building their vocabulary. Just repeat it like crayon, crayon. (laughs) And then try to have them say the word and then you give them whatever materials they need. And that's,
2: um, I don't know if you guys have heard of SDAI techniques. Mm -hmm. S-D-A-I-E is Specially Designed Academic Instruction maybe there's no E at the end. (laughs) uh, And it is all this like scaffolding up for English learners. And um, for art, it's easy because um, one of the things you're supposed to do is use a lot of visual aids. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm explaining a new assignment, um, I I always use PowerPoints and my projector, and I have a lot of visual examples. And I feel like Students who don't speak English will still pretty yeah. much get the gist of what we're doing. Yeah. Um, but it's also easy because of the population in my classroom. There's so many kids who um, are bilingual. Yeah. And okay. they're all, they're really friendly too. And they're yeah. they usually willing to help each other. Yeah. How do you
0: do it? Because I know that Silmar is, like you said, there's a lot of um, people that don't, students that don't speak English, or I'm assuming that there's a lot of Spanish going on. And I don't know
2: that you speak Spanish. No, I feel like <laughs> I'm, a, uh, I'm a lifelong Spanish learner. i still <laughs> working on it. <clears throat> but I do attempt to speak Spanish, and they'll laugh at my Spanish, and that breaks the ice a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And I get more comfortable, like, trying with the students, yeah. too. Yeah. And um, usually, and I'm sure they
0: feel more comfortable too because then it's like you're learning yeah. at the same time that they're learning. And so. I sound,
2: you know, silly. Yeah. So I'm then they're not up. afraid to
0: sound silly yeah. themselves. <laughs>
2: yeah. So between my bad Spanish and their maybe little English they know, and then the students around us that mm-hmm. can translate, then it usually works out.
0: That's very cool. Yeah.
2: That's
0: good. <laughs> yeah. I know for me, I'm kind of having a hard time because I have a few students that only speak Russian, and I don't know, no Russian. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, with the ones that speak only Spanish, then it's pretty easy because I can kind of translate things for them as I go along, or I can narrate whatever I'm doing, and they usually pick up on it. But for the ones that only speak Russian, I'm like, I don't know any Russian. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm also like, there's uh, I've had in the past students that like speak Chinese or Vietnamese or Cantonese or something, and I'm like, I don't know any of those languages. Wow. <laughs> so like, it's, it's hard for me to kind of get them to start picking up the English. But like I said, it's usually art that I start with. And then it's like modeling or using visuals because that's what art is a lot of really? the time. It's like you have to make something like it's an actual product that you produce. So I can provide samples and then they kind of start getting it. But I think that's that's probably one of like the, well, for me anyways, one of the coolest parts about art where it's like anyone can do it kind yeah. of.
2: It's like a universal language. Yeah, stuff. yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: but yeah, I haven't had to, um, you know, face the other languages like that. You know, it's always just been English learners that speak Spanish and we don't yeah. get too many other diverse populations out here.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's well,
1: LA, so it's yeah. <laughs> LA is mainly
0: Hispanic people. Yeah. For those of you who don't know. <laughs>
1: well, I guess if you go to certain parts of LA too, you probably run into. Well, today. yeah,
0: that's true. If you work in like a school in Koreatown or something, right. then yeah. you might get a lot of Korean speakers. Yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of the weird part, I guess, about LA is that it's kind of like, like people kind of section themselves off. Yeah, there's, there's pockets like, yeah. of. Yeah, and like I don't think that think the city. I, does there's that. like more,
1: you know, Hispanic pockets, but.
0: Yeah, there's. Well, Hispanics are like everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But then there's also pockets of other cultures, I think, within the county, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think more now that we've moved up to Washington is where I've seen more different languages in my classroom, Uh which is weird because I thought that it would be less (laughs) because LA is like super diverse, and once you kind of get out of LA, it's not so diverse. But I've gotten a lot of different languages while we've been working up there. And then also, like, we've noticed over here, it's mainly, like, Mexican people. Yeah. Out there, it's, like, from all over, like, Something Latin like American yeah. countries. Yeah. So, it's, like, Peruvian, Nicaragua, Costa Rica. Like, exactly. Yeah. 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 A lot
2: of my students, Um, the last couple of years, I noticed they're, like, from, um, yeah, like, uh, Peru, um, Guatemala, and a lot from El Salvador. And. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure, Um, you know, I'm interested in their journey of coming here, but I haven't found out a lot about, you know, what they've gone through. I'm sure it's
0: kind of a tricky thing. You can't just be like, hey, so how'd you
2: get here? Uh, Yeah, I don't want them to think I'm going to try to get rid of them or something. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Who's running the operation?
0: Let me see your papers. (laughs) Yeah, no, I remember one time when I started working in Washington, um, there was, like, an older man. And now everyone's, like, afraid to ask questions like that, right? Because everyone gets offended and stuff. So there was, like, an older guy who was probably, like, 70 or maybe even 80. He was, like, very old. (laughs) Um, And he was, like, so scared and, like, hesitant. He came up to me and was like, "Um, I just, I wanted to ask you something. And I was like, okay, like, go ahead. And he was like, well i don't know how to say it and i was like I, could, I like my brain was already going there right i was like okay he's probably gonna ask me something race related because like a lot of people tend to do that up there because most of the time they don't really like they haven't really been exposed as much to other cultures as people have here so yeah. a lot of the time it's like they're not intentionally trying to be racist it's just kind of like they don't know <laughs> mm-hmm. but um So, I was like, okay, probably he's going to ask me something about race or, like, where I'm from or something. And so, he was like, um, like, where, where, and he was just kind of thinking, like, what's the, like, what's something that's not going to offend her? You know I'm guessing is what he was thinking. But he was like, where where are you from? Like, where where were you born? <laughs> and I was like, well, I was born in California, but my parents are Mexican. Uh-huh. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's that's what I was trying to ask. Like, what, like, what, like, culture, what culture are you? And I was like, yeah, like, I'm Mexican. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, okay. And he was like, I'm sorry if that was, like, like weird or like, I don't want to offend you. And I was like, no, 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 you're fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I feel like probably sometimes it's like, a bad thing where people are afraid to offend you like because of like race and stuff because then Mm -hmm. it's like if you it's better for you to ask the questions and be corrected so i think it's like not a good thing when people are afraid to ask those questions because Mm -hmm. then it's like if you don't ask the question then you're never going to be corrected and you're never going to get that new information so then you're probably just always going to be ignorant towards that subject so I never found,
1: I don't think it's weird to ask someone like where where you're from or something.
0: It's become a big thing. Like even for me at work, I don't know if you guys get these trainings as well, but we get a lot of trainings about like um, racial equity and stuff like that, and it's usually like noticing your own like microaggressions towards other races or towards other genders. And one of like the more popular videos, like even I'm sure you've seen it probably on YouTube or Facebook or something where it's like that Asian lady and she's like jogging or something and she stops to stretch. And then some other jogger comes by and he's like, oh, like, where are you from? And then she's like, oh, I'm from like Orange County or whatever, and he's like, no, but where are you from? And she's like, I'm from here, like California, Orange County, he's like, no 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 but I mean like where are you from <laughs> <laughs> so like he's trying to get at like what race is she or like what cultural background Ad-city, she is yes. yeah what ethnicity yeah. she is but he just keeps asking her where are you from and she's like well I'm from here <laughs> right. and so I think like like it is good to kind of teach people about that stuff but I feel like people are too scared now to like be offensive Yeah. and it's like you don't really learn if you don't like ask the question or if you don't offend anyone, you're not ever going to learn how to properly ask that. <laughs> but I think as teachers, we we're kind of faced with that dilemma a lot because we do teach kids from all over. And mm-hmm. then families, we have to work with families from all over and right. stuff like that.
2: So Yeah, I always make a point to try to get to know all my students on a little bit more of a personal level. And I will, you know, ask them, Yeah, you know, I'll ask where they're from, if they're, I can tell they're um, new to the school or they um, have immigrated here. And one thing that breaks the ice easy is to talk about food, I think. You know, like, yeah. what's your favorite food from where you're from? Or, and, um, you know, they'll yeah. open up more as they get comfortable with you. Yeah. Yeah, That's an easy one. Everyone eats, so. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And everyone has different foods too.
2: Yeah. Because I'll have those students that are like a whole group from El Salvador. I'll be like, you guys like pupusas? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You had that? I'm like, yeah, I love those. They're so good. Yeah. Pupusas are
0: good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But um, what was something else that I wanted to ask? I just thought of it and then it left my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Did
1: you have anything else you wanted? No. um, I'm very tired so it's hard to think right now
0: <laughs> it's very early in the morning while we're yeah. doing this episode um and thank you so much for coming in so early yes. i know you're yeah. kind of sick so
2: yeah I apologize for my voice <laughs> to all the listeners out there but, uh, it's not kind of that's sick <laughs> i feel great i just it's i feeling totally great yeah mm-hmm. so yeah but yeah thanks for having me
0: yeah and then was there anything else that you wanted to say before we wrap it up
2: um, I don't I know who's you're listening to about- this, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're thinking about getting into education, I think it's a great career and, um, you'll feel like you're helping society. That's how I feel. And that's why I like being a teacher, that I'm being a positive, uh, influence mm-hmm. on the young population where I live. Um, so, you know,
0: how do you feel about the, the phrase, if you can't do teach?
2: Uh, I don't really believe that at all.
0: I, like, hate it so much. It's, like, one of my pet peeves, like, when I hear people see that, I'm like,
2: ah! Uh, Yeah. And in the arts, too, I've heard, you know, um, bad things. Like, I've had other teachers ask me, oh, do you need a college degree to teach art? (laughs) 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 I'm a teacher. (laughs) (laughs) That's, like, a... Yeah.
1: Ignorant yeah. yeah i was like so really as, right even another teacher asking that like
0: i yeah. know <laughs> yeah right. for me it's always like it makes me mad because then you get people that are like not passionate that are not like they don't actually want to do that job they're mm-hmm. just doing it because like everything else failed or right. like just to have a job they're just doing it for the paycheck even though our paychecks really aren't that great no, but yeah because
2: <laughs> honestly um the art side of my job is only a percentage and the other main part is just being a teacher Mm -hmm. and just being a positive uh, influence on kids and being the adult there and I'm there the way I see it is to like pump up everyone's tires like make everyone feel good and um, just feel good about themselves you know I'm not there to put people down or anything like that so mm-hmm. that's the main part of my job and the art side is kind of it's kind of a, a little less than the main part of just being yeah. a teacher
0: yeah i don't think that's a, like a big part of what i don't think people understand about being a teacher where it's kind of like like i don't know if you listen to this radio show it's called the woody show yeah, right, right, right. um it's it's based here in LA, but they have it in like all other, um, states, but, um, one of the, the guys from the show was talking about how like being a teacher is so easy and like anybody could do it and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so to prove that he took like the, I think it was a C-best. Um, and he, his proof was that he was able to take the C-best and pass it. And so that meant that he could be a teacher if he mm. wanted to. Um, but I think a lot of the, the times people, Think that teaching is just like that academic part, when that's like you said, only like a small percentage of what being a teacher is really. Yeah, right? yeah. um, and then the rest of it is like, like being supportive and being encouraging, like mm-hmm. um, trying to change students' um, point of views, their frame of minds, um, even teaching them English, right? Because they don't know English. Right. Or um, for me, I don't know. I was going to ask you as well do you work with the families very much? Cause I know that came up in one of our um, podcasts as well, because for me and in my, but it is preschool. So I do have to work with the parents a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But for us specifically, it's like a huge part of their like support system. And then you have to build a lot of trust with the parents because obviously they're leaving their babies with you. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So we did kind of have that question. We were wondering of, how that
2: works in, like, a high school setting. Yeah, it, it definitely, um, the parent involvement, I think it decreases as the child gets older. And it makes sense to me. You know, like you said, when you have a little kid, it's like yeah. your baby. And <clears throat> after a while, um, you know, we're always trying to increase parent involvement at in our school. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get pretty low turnouts on, you know, event um, open houses and, I mean, I mean, some of that is, you know, people are working, they can't yeah. come you know.
1: Yeah. Everyone's tired, it's like, it's, Yeah. I think the way our society is, it's like, even like for me to do something after work, you go, ugh, like I don't want yeah. to, <laughs> I just want to go home and don't have
0: kids. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: But I wanted to say, um, yeah, that's a different thing, because like, so when you're uh, like a uh, preschool or whatever, kindergarten or elementary that's more family involvement because they're kids, right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And I was going to say, I think like, I uh, I want to say like almost when you're in high school, because for me, I remember a lot of high school, like the good high school teachers. I don't remember like middle school. It's a blur elementary. I don't even remember really. You know? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how it is. It's like a kid, I think when you're in high school, it's almost like the, like the teacher. If you're a good teacher, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to stick out. They're going to remember you forever kind of thing and usually you forget all the crappy ones so it's almost like it's kind of I guess that's like more pressure being a high school teacher like you gotta reach out to these kids and like especially if it's in like part like I don't know how bad somewhere is still I don't know like if it's a troubled area it's like you have to try to like yeah uh, what is it uh what's it called psychiatrist counselor I don't know something
0: oh yeah yeah, we are kind of like psychologists. Psychologists. <laughs> psychologists. What is
1: it called? <laughs> therapists. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, therapists. It's like, I don't know, because I like the good teacher. I still remember them to this day. I was like, mm-hmm. And I remember why they were good.
2: Right. Me too. Yeah, I remember my favorite teachers too.
1: Yeah, so it's like, because you're, you're like a mentor. I remember
0: everything. I remember preschool. Yeah. and Harvard I have memories of I preschool, but
1: like it's like the teachers, not really. Like I don't know. It's just different. It's, it's a different stage of your life, and now like it's two different mindsets. Like I'm, like your kid, you're playing, you're you not, know, you're doing mm-hmm. random macaroni art. Yeah, versus high know, school, it's like, it like you're finding out who you are. You're gonna find. You're struggling. College. Yeah, it's just like different things. See?
0: David's the people that frustrate me because they think <laughs> that preschool is just macaroni. Yeah, art. I'm not saying <laughs> I,
1: no. Your thing's important because I hear everything you do. That's crazy. Like there's so much science behind that. Like the, all the things you're just, like setting them up for that I don't even think about. Mm-hmm. Which I probably probably my preschool teacher suck. but yeah, you get me. That's what I'm saying. Like, but as a kid, and I don't know that. I'm not going to remember that. Preschool. Your job's important. I'm just not going to remember that as a person. Yeah.
0: Like, but I think it could probably like. Before now, a lot of preschool teachers sucked. Like, they didn't really know what well, to do. I, I think,
1: yeah, there wasn't much study in the Yeah, um, I think kids.
0: more recently preschool has become more of, like, a focus and, like, people are, like, realizing how important yeah, it is Yeah, because it's, now. like, setting up the foundation. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, like, I worked in elementary schools and stuff, and, like, I would, like, watch their, like, yeah. social interactions <laughs> or watch their emotional reactions to things, and I'd be, like, you did not have a good preschool teacher. <laughs> <laughs> like, you should have already learned this. They shouldn't have to be teaching this to you now. But,
1: yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, it's important. It's just, I don't think it, um, like, you gave me me growing up. Let's say if I was like kid that you were my teacher. Probably gonna remember you. That's mm-hmm. so young.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, like, I'll remember someone in high school.
0: Yeah. Granted, you, you mean, like, specific people. Like yeah, you, know,
1: you set me up for success, but mm-hmm. it's just. I'm having like the high school teachers have a more memorable impact mm-hmm. on a student. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Just because you're older. Yeah, exactly. It's just there. And then like, mm-hmm. that's when you're getting bugs in the real world and then... yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus you know, being a mentor. elementary.
0: Yeah, so you but, don't really work with fat too much. Basically, <laughs> yeah. I,
2: I would say the most um, that you would work with a parent would be like um, special education students, and mm-hmm. I do um, as an elective teacher get a fair share, mm-hmm. and so we do IEP meetings yeah. and um, yeah. Yeah, well, how does family. that work
0: in high school settings? All of the teachers have to go to those IEP? Meetings? Um, it
2: depends on the case, but in general, it's just one general ed teacher.
0: Yeah, because I was going to say for me in IAP meetings, it's just one teacher because the student only has one teacher the whole year, right? But Uh in middle school and high school, you have like, what, six teachers?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Well, a lot of times they'll have, um, they'll be in one room most of the day and Mm -hmm. then they'll go to a couple electives to get out of there. Yeah, yeah. And um, so a lot of times it's like me or a cooking teacher okay, and um, we represent the general education education teacher. teacher. But there could be a psychologist in the meeting or... Yeah. Whoever's part of the team. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the parent.
0: Yeah. Uh (laughs) Of course, you can. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For me, like now, it's kind of different because um, since it's not like an actual elementary school that I work at now, I don't have to go to the meetings. So... I could just, like, they just kind of fill me in usually afterwards because they'll have the meetings whenever the parent is available, mm-hmm. which is usually during my class time. <laughs> right. So I usually don't end up being able to go to the meetings anymore, but...
2: Well, for me, if it's during class time, then they actually will send us up. Oh, cool. Yeah, and they'll come in and um, and they'll watch my class while I go to the meeting. Nice. Yeah,
0: yeah when I worked for LAUSD, it was just, like, usually we would get the parents to do it right after class oh. so that I could do the class and then go over mm-hmm. to me, but <clears throat> yeah. I would assume that, <clears throat> um, um, sorry, special education is probably different than, than how you work with the families of the general education students. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's pretty much all I had. So now, thank you so much for coming. (laughs) All right,
2: thanks for having me. Yes, real outro. (laughs) I know.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for being here, and sorry that your throat is acting up. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. But we really appreciate it, and yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, if you have any other topic also that you want to talk about or anything like that, let me know, and we can do another. (laughs) Um, Do you have like an
1: art? website or something or oh yeah do you anything, have any you want projects to here like, no nothing no, 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 you're <laughs> all private
0: yeah yeah thank you so much for listening uh if you have any topics that you want us to explore or if you have any people that would like to be guests on our show if you are a person that would like to be guests on our show uh go ahead and reach out to us our website is
1: uh on Oncampuspodcast.com,
0: <laughs> and you can also find us on social media. We have an Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Snapchat, all under the name On Campus with this T. And yeah, make sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Bye. Bye.